Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Wildly Basic West. I think it's more or less a requirement that every single year I go, oh my god, the year really flew by, but I feel like that probably more than ever this year, and I think it's because I just experienced such an enormous amount of change in the last three months of 2022, and I don't know, I feel almost like a different person going into the new year, and for the first time in a very long time, I feel really excited because I think my mindset this year is not taking away things and eliminating things from my life, but it's a lot about adding. And so in line with the new year, resolutions, you name it, I know that a lot of us are participating in dry January. So whether you're sober, sober curious, or just kind of looking to take a break from alcohol, maybe to take a step back and reevaluate what that relationship looks like, now is the perfect time. You know what? I'm actually going to revise that statement because I think that now is both the perfect and imperfect time. And that is the great irony of alcohol and trying to stop drinking is that we can always seem to find an excuse, even if our body, even if every single part of us is screaming at us to take a break from drinking, we can always find a reason to keep drinking. It's an event. It's a party. It's a girl's night. It's like, oh, it's just one glass of wine. There's always a reason that is far more intoxicating and enticing to keep drinking than there is to stay sober. And maybe that's where you are right now. Maybe you started dry January and now that we're approaching the first weekend, you're thinking, oh my God, why the fuck did I do this? I can't do this. And so the first thing I want you to do is just stop it with the shame. Stop with like spiraling just because a thought crossed your mind that is, you know, in direct conflict with a goal you're trying to accomplish. If I step back and think about a lot of my barriers to getting sober, it was because I was so in my head about not being able to do it. And in the program that I'm in, at least, we always talk about taking another 24, right? So I don't go into every single day being like, I'm going to be sober for the rest of my life. Is that my ultimate goal? Yes. But do I focus on that? No. I focus on the next 24 hours. I focus on how am I going to stay sober through today. And one of my biggest teachers in sobriety so far is that it has forced me to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Previously, if I'd had a bad day or I just, you know, had a craving for a drink, I would drink. That's how I would quote unquote take the edge off. Now that's not an option for me. Now I have had to learn how to sit with painful things, how to sit with hard thoughts, how to end bad days with nothing more than a little seltzer water or a hot tea. I have to come up with healthier better coping mechanisms because my response previously was just to numb myself out to all the feelings. And I've been thinking a lot recently about why there's such a high correlation between mindfulness and sobriety. And I think it's because like, I remember when I first started meditating and if you've, if you've tried to meditate before too, you know, this feeling well, those first few weeks sometimes are so hard because a minute feels like an hour. But then once you build up your tolerance, once you build up your practice, you become friends and you like kind of are addicted to like what felt like discomfort earlier because the feeling you get is so good. You learn how to sit in your body. You learn how to just let thoughts roll through your mind versus focusing on them, right? That's a lot of what mindfulness teaches us. And I think it's the same thing with sobriety. Like I can't given to my craving. I can't give in to the desire that I have to drink alcohol. So I have to find ways to acknowledge that that feeling exists, honor that that feeling is out there and say, hmm, 
interesting. I'm noticing that. Now, what am I going to do to address it? What am I going to do to not stay stuck in this thought pattern, but instead bring myself to another headspace where I can focus on something else, something that's healthy, something that's good for me, and something that isn't going to make me feel insane and want to drink. I want to share the first track on Odessa's album, A Moment Apart, because I feel like it so perfectly encapsulates how I feel about this idea of getting comfortable with discomfort and sobriety. It says, so you know that story of the Russian cosmonaut. So he goes up in this big spaceship and he's got this portal window and he's looking out of it and he sees the curvature of the earth for the first time. And then all of a sudden, this strange ticking begins coming out of the dashboard, but he can't find it. He can't stop it. It keeps going. A few hours into this, it begins to feel like torture. What's he going to do? He's up in space. So the cosmonaut decides that the only way to save his sanity is to fall in love with this sound. Oh, I've always loved that. It always gives me chills. And I just think that's, it's just oh, it's so pithy and profound because I truly believe that's what it comes down to is that in order to really reap all the benefits of so many things that are good for us, it's to just get comfortable with the discomfort. It's to fall in love with the process. It's to fall in love with the parts that feel challenging and that are, I don't know, almost making it feel like every single nerve ending of your body is exposed. You guys will have to tell me if I'm going off the deep end with this, but I've been thinking a lot lately about what the objective of my life was before I got sober. Like, what was my thought process when it came to building my life? And to this entire theme I've been talking about throughout this episode, it was comfort. I was insulating myself, whether it was with things I bought, alcohol I drank, the people I surrounded myself with, the content I consumed, you know, down to like the media that I was reading. I just wanted to feel comfortable. Everything was confirmation bias for me. That was the most important thing. And I think that's one of the preeminent reasons that early sobriety was so challenging for me is it's like, oh, okay. So basically I'm going to take a hammer and beat the ever-loving shit out of this life that I have spent the past four years post-college trying to perfectly curate from the outside. But yeah. That is what I did. And I haven't looked back since because I don't think I ever really understood, you know, like those cheesy posters they had on the walls of your high school. There was always like some sort of animal, like it was one fish swimming against the entire school of fish. But there was one that said like growth starts outside your comfort zone. And it's, I mean, it's cheesy, but honestly, I think I'm starting to understand it because all the stuff I was doing before when I was quote unquote comfortable was not working for me. I was isolating. I was depressed. I was anxious. I was suicidal. I was an addict. Like none of the things I was doing before trying to make my life look perfect to anyone else served me at the end of the day. And for me, getting sober to some degree meant getting selfish. And I think that's one of the best things I've ever done. And I think a lot of women struggle with the need to people please constantly but saying like, hey, I'm no longer existing to just make you comfortable. I'm not going to drink because it makes you more comfortable. I'm not going to go out all the time because it makes you more comfortable. The point of my existence is to not validate your choices or validate the way you live your life. The point of my existence is to squeeze the most out of my life that I possibly can to reach my potential. And if something is holding me back from doing that, it's got to go. And all that being said, I think the value of something like a dry January is that it forces you to explore, yes, your relationship with alcohol, 
but it forces you to really consider all the other things that alcohol touches in your life that you might not be aware of now. And for me, one of the predominant things it exposed was friendships that I had, like people I was spending time with that actually didn't fill my cup, experiences that felt really draining, money that I was spending on like going out in Ubers and drinks that actually weren't aligned with the things that I wanted. They were just things that I thought I needed to do to make people like me or keep my friends or I don't know. It's like keeping up with the Joneses, but kind of like with myself. So if you've made it this far, thank you so much for tuning in. I know I always say it, but this community means so much to me. I truly believe none of us get sober alone. It takes a village and just having even strangers on the internet tell me they're proud of me, like that keeps me going. And so tomorrow on Friday, I'm going to be dropping a quick and dirty episode that's kind of like my dry January survival pack. It's going to be everything from documentaries to podcasts to books to drinks, like non-alcoholic drinks, activities, so on and so forth. Basically the stuff that really helped me in my first 30 days of sobriety and continues to help me. Maybe it's me because I'm such a product girl, but I always just love hearing specifics. Like I don't want to hear that you drink a non-alcoholic champagne. I want to hear that you're drinking like the Lear's Brut and what you mix it with and what kind of glass you drink it out of. I don't know. That's just the kind of stuff I like. If you like this episode, please share, subscribe, rate, and I will see you next time.